welcome. This is a super important podcast about hair. Question mark. Featuring Ryan Teal and Stephen Adams as your co-hosts. Let's begin. Looks like Douglas is watching. Hey Douglas, I was going to actually contact you today and see if you wanted to be on the podcast at some point. Yeah, he, we want Douglas to get on the podcast. So Douglas, we'll want to get you up, up on here soon, which would be really cool. We can video it and see where we're going from there. That would be super awesome. So It'd be super important. Huh? It'd be super important. It would be really good, yeah. It'd be really, it'd be super important. Very, very important. Yeah. Very, as much very as, super important. As much as this will get with that, with that, Andrew's going to be uh, super important. Yes. We actually, someday, Ryan, when we get a few moments, we should probably uh, have a couple of times where we, maybe we should get four people on here and just have open discussion of, like, get, like, four or five people on here and just, like, really discuss one topic. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, debate, debate the heck out of it. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Everybody that's logging on to my Instagram, we're just waiting on uh, uh, Andrew. He just texted us and said that he uh, traded um, he traded a, a haircut for, for some beer, which I don't blame him for. Um, so we're waiting on him a little bit. We're just going to chat a little bit. Um, yeah. Oh, look, look, there oh, he is. look at that. He's there. Hey, Andrew. Welcome. Can you hear us? Am I doing this right? You yeah, are can you hear us? right. I do believe so. You must be on your phone, so that's why it's vertical and ours are our oh. horizontal because we're on our computer. Does that help? Well, that does. <laughs> does that work for you? Hang on, hang on. Uh -oh. Wait, give me a second. Yep. Sure. <laughs> Just got to like rest something under there. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's too short. Come on, Andrew. Think. Um, nope, that's not tolerance. Hold on, hold on. I'll figure this out. That's all right. <sighs> no, it'll drive me nuts if I'm vertical and you guys aren't. <laughs> all right. <laughs> nice to meet you. Well, I can always see you. Is, is Ryan on too? Yeah, Ryan is on too. Can you see him? Oh, okay. That's that's the everyone's screen. Okay, cool. Dude, this is going to drive me nuts. Hang on. I got to sort this. There. Perfect. How's it going? A little break back there. <laughs> I look all red. Like, you got like a nice pinkish glow. Like, okay. You've got, a, you've got that really nice fresh glow there. Okay. <laughs> How's it going, Andrew? Long time no talk. Yeah, it's been a while. It's it's going so, really good. How, good. how have you been? Really good. Well, I wanted to uh, kind of like, like tell a little story about you that before we all begin about how like um, what was it like seven years ago when I when I booked an appointment with you like out of the blue and like I was coming down for ISSC Long Beach and I was like I was like I have no clue what this guy looks like he has a, a big uh, actually Gordon Miller told me about you because you you had a big following and you're a barber so I was like well 
and you weren't a barber, you're a hairdresser. You just did a lot, a lot of men's hair cutting. And so I was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to go down there and book an appointment with the guy and I'm going to become his friend. And I mean, you know, I, I, I've never taken a chance like that. And to be honest, I haven't taken a chance like that since. Um, so I'm really glad that actually we've been friends the whole time and you've come up to Portland and, and yeah, uh, I, it's, it's funny about that story because whenever I'm coaching people or teaching or whatever, you know, people will say things like opportunity won't walk into your salon and present itself to you. And I'm like, it happened to me. <laughs> Ryan Steele walked in and said, Hey, you know, you know, you ever see those memes where it's like, get in loser. We're going to go do this. Right. Like Ryan Teal walked into my salon and said, get in loser. We're going to go shoot Naha together. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. I never thought of like, I was just telling my, I just did a haircut right now and I was telling my client about you and I was like, yeah, this guy, walked into my salon and basically told me it's okay for you to get out there and do whatever the hell you want to do. And people online have told me stuff like that um, through the harebrained forum and everything, but, but you physically walked in and, and I was terrified to cut your hair. I don't know if you remember that. I give you like the worst haircut ever because I was like, he's judging. <laughs> I don't everything remember. Like, and uh, and uh, like, but you walked in and you said, Hey, you can, you can go out and do things too. And I'm like, I can. Okay. Um, and so that was such a huge, like, turning point in my career. I, I don't know if you even realize how impactful that was. Like, like, I hope you, like you said, you haven't done that since, but I hope you, uh, it's, it's something I would like to do. I would love to, re like, look at people who I think have potential and just go get a haircut by them. And get on a plane to go do it, no less. Like, holy crap, yeah. man, you're insane. Thank you, man. I, I, I appreciate that. That was, I was, I, I had no clue what, like, what you look like. I mean, I walked in, I'm like, is, is Andrew here? You know, I mean, like, I don't know his last name. It's like, you know, I think his last name does air. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, was, I remember looking at my schedule and seeing your name and uh, being like, that can't be like the Ryan Teal. And then when you came in, I was like, that's the Ryan Teal. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's the best story I've heard in a long time. Andrew, I don't think we've actually ever, ever officially met. Maybe once at a show or something. It's a two-handed handshake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice to meet you. So, Likewise. Yeah, it's awesome so, to have you here. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history? Because, I mean, you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but why don't you, like, go back, like, you know, as far back as you want to go and just tell us, like, like how you got into it. Um, when I was in really old school but i'll start at high school i didn't want to do my work i was bored by school i couldn't be bothered to do things i did well on tests but i didn't do work and i just didn't want to be there so when i was a senior in high school i wanted to drop out but you know i thought my band was going to make it and i was going to be famous and all and uh <laughs> so, like a friend of mine had dropped out of high school and went to call mitchell and uh, I went to visit him to get a haircut at his school. And I walked in, I was like, oh my gosh, like everything was clean white and everyone's wearing black and, and everybody looked cool and it smelled so good in there. And I was like, this is freaking cool. And uh, the fact that he had dropped out of school and was able to go do hair, I was like, well, maybe I'll do that. So I started doing haircuts in my garage and dropped out of high school and went to a local cosmetology school. And uh, whole story, I was 17 at the time. I was insecure. I was like, if I'm a hairdresser, people think I'm gay. And I was like, I got to be a barber so I could be cool. Uh, but there was no barber schools at the time because barbering was not cool in 2003. And uh, so I ended up going to a cosmetology school and I told my teachers, I just want to do short hair. I want to do men's hair. And uh, truth, truth be told, I was afraid of long hair. I didn't understand it. And I was in school to learn to understand it, but I still didn't want to. And my teacher said, you won't make any money doing short hair. You have to do long hair. You have to do color if you want to make money. 
And so I tried it color, I tried it long hair, I did everything I had to do to get through school. And when I got out of school, I thought, well, I'm just gonna go work in a barber shop um, because that's what I want to do. And the first barber shop I went to, I won't name names, but he's kind of a famous barber. He literally called me a faggot. He said, oh, you have a cosmetology license? Yeah, cosmetology's for faggots. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, so I had this like bad taste in my mouth about barbers from the beginning. Right. But I wanted to do short hair. So I went to a salon and the boss there said, you have to do everything because I was working on commissions. So if I turned away a client, she didn't get money, you know? And for five years, I tried at everything. I struggled with color and I would mess up. I mean, there were, I, I remember multiple times where I messed up color so bad that the owner had to come in and fix it. And eventually, um, my, my books were growing with short hair because I was doing really good with it. And, and the, I would never get return customers with long hair. And eventually, I had to talk with my owner there. And I said, hey, we're both losing money when you make me do long hair let me just do short hair. I'm like, I'm busy enough with short hair. And so I, I kind of fell into short hair. Um, and I don't know if it was because I was good at it naturally, or if I was good at it naturally, because I was more interested in it, kind of like a chicken or the egg situation there. But I just found like, if five random guys walked in, four of them would come back and become repeat customers. But if five random women came in with long hair, one of them would come back and be a re repeat customer. And so my, my business just naturally kind of grew, grew that way. Right. And uh, during that time, barbering started to become really popular. And I was, again, a hairdresser and I was blow drying men's hair because at the time, this like messy bedhead thing was cool. And the only way to really make it look cool was to blow dry the crap out of it. And so I was always doing hair that way. And when slick back hair became cool, guys were coming in like, I try to slick my hair back, it sticks out. How do I make it lay back? And I'm like, you just blow dry it. So um, that's kind of how I accidentally grew my following and, and grew on social media was all these barbers who didn't know how to style hair were getting all these clients who wanted styled hair and didn't know how to do it. And so all I had to do was say, Hey guys, here's how to use a blow dryer. And, uh, you know, I've, over the years, people have asked me like, how'd you get your following? And, and it was two things. One, I got on Instagram kind of early. So in the early days, there wasn't a lot of barbers. There wasn't a lot of hairstylists on there. It was like me and 200 other hairstylists. Um, like we were, we, I just happened to be on there early. Um, but also I was on there teaching, here's how to blow dry your hair. And I found every time I post a video about blow drying curly hair straight, it would just get like, like tons of likes. And, and, and more importantly, it would get like, there would be 200 comments and every comment was somebody tagging their friends saying, Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. And so when people go, how do you grow your following? I'm like, post stuff that make people tag their friends. Like, so anyways, that's how the social media started growing. And I'm sorry if my, my intro story is too long here, but, um, no, no, it's great. This is what I like to hear. Cool. Uh, so around that time, you know, the Instagram's growing. I didn't know why it's growing. I didn't know what I was going to do with it. Um, around that time, I was kind of getting started on Hairbrain and starting to meet people there. I met you. I met Russell Mays. I met Ivan Stutes. I met, I met Gordon. I met Randy. Um, and I got, I was just like endlessly inspired by all of you guys. It's funny. I remember having a conversation with Ivan Zoot and I literally called him on the phone and I was like, what do what do I do with this following I have? Like, what, what's it for? What do I do with it? And um, he told me something that really stuck with me for a long time. But he said, he said, look, if, if you ultimately want to offer something for professionals, you have a much smaller demographic. If you want to offer something for consumers, everybody's your customer. And uh, it's funny because I went the exact opposite direction. What I, what I ended up thinking is if I, if I can help one professional, then their 200 clients get the ripple effect. And so I, I, mainly started focusing on trying to inspire, educate, and even entertain professionals after that. People started reaching out saying, hey, will you come teach a class? And I'm like, nobody ever ordained me to do that. Like, I can't go teach a class. And um, 
but people kept asking. So eventually I, I set up a small class locally with 10 people and I just went and I showed how I know how to cut hair and, and uh, they didn't hate it. So I started doing more and, and I started to love, um, I fell in love with the whole feeling. And I know you know this feeling, Ryan, where you, you know somebody, you tell them what you know, and then their career is better. And you're like, not, right. not like I did that, I did that, but more like, wow. I did that. You know what I mean? And uh, so I, I definitely, everything I've ever done, as soon as I started to, I guess, develop the following or whatever, it's not about me. Like, if you look at my Instagram, I don't post selfies. I don't post like, here's what my life's about. Here's what I drive. Here's what I wear. It's about my clients and it's about other hairstylists and other barbers and how they can improve. And so um, even though I mentioned earlier that I had a bitter taste in my mouth from barbers based on some early experiences, um, I found that they're the punk rock today. Um, hairdressers are not very punk rock. You know, hairdressers go to curated events that are sponsored by Paul Mitchell or Red Canner, or they go to ISSC, or they go to big, like, lavish productions. And uh, barbers, I've been to barber events where they literally illegally put together an event in a vacant building, and they just came out. Right. And so they are the punks today. And uh, so I, I really like to mess with, and when I say mess with, I mean positive and negative barbers. Um, even though I'm not one of them, but uh, I just feel like they're hungrier than hairdressers today. Um, they, it's almost like they have something to prove. Um, you know, you get hairdressers who go, oh, barbering is cool. I'm going to learn how to do a fade. But then barbers go, oh my gosh, there's a whole world of hair bigger than fades. And so I've watched barbers like do this where hairdressers go, oh yeah, that's cool now. I'll just I'll learn a little bit of that. Um, and so again, even though I'm not a barber, I, I do, most of my friends who do hair are barbers. Most of the events that I go to are barber events. Um, and at the same time though, like, I don't want to be pigeonholed as like, oh, that guy just does fades. Um, if you look at my Instagram over the last year, I, I've been posting a lot more women's hair and truth be told, um, today on, when I have client days, which is Saturdays, um, I would say like four out of five clients are graduated bobs. Like that's all I do. Um, nice. and I love it. I, yeah. It's so much fun for me now, it's, which is funny because I used to hate doing it, but now it's, now it's thrilling. That's cool. Yeah. So, oh, do you have something to say that, uh, Stephen? Cause I have a question. I want to kind of like piggyback off of his intro. Piggyback. Okay. So, so let's talk about this whole like division between hairdressers and barbers. Um, I, I kind of feel like there has been for a long time and, and, but I also feel like there are people that are starting to bridge that gap. You know, do you think that it's going to continue going with this whole, like, um, you know, anti-barber, anti-hairdresser? Or do you think that, that people will be able to just get along? I think there's always going to be people who are just stuck in their ways. And um, I think a, a, a cancer in the barber community is the concept of a real barber. Um, they, you know, they'll say, oh, a real barber doesn't use enhancements, which is like those little hair fibers you spray on the scalp. Mm -hmm. um, and so they'll, they'll, they'll try to divide themselves and go, would you use enhancements? And I don't because I'm a real barber. And a real barber doesn't need a professional camera to, to show people how good his work is. And a real barber doesn't need this. And a real barber. And so. Texturizing shoes. Yeah. Oh, what's yeah. Texturizing shoes. There's, there's some dude in England, oh, yeah. uh, what the pistol, oh, who's yeah. all like talking about texturizing yeah, shoes. I'm like. And that's actually where I'm actually going with this whole conversation. Because yeah. he's like so, bashing, bashing. There, there's always going to be people who want to deliberately segregate the community. And, um, and I think the, the divide between barbers and hairdressers is no different. Um, and, you know, I think barbers are very vocal with their expectations of what a real barber is and what a barber should and shouldn't do. 
However, with hairdressers, I feel like they're a lot more catty and snaky and snooty about it. Okay. Um, you know, you think about like the Sassoon crowd and they're like, oh my God, your scissors are seven inches long. A real hairdresser uses two inch scissors. Like, okay. Like, or, oh my gosh, look how high his elbows go while he's cutting the sides of the hair. Like he's doing it wrong, you know? And so, so it exists on both sides, but, um, so I think that's always going to exist more or less, but I do think what's happened already and what's going to continue to happen, um, is going to continue to shift minds is the people who are bridging the gaps and saying, like, the thing is, it's 2019. It's it, that's this year, right? Yeah. Anyways, um, a real barber today, some of them use enhancements, some of them don't, you know, in 1999, that wasn't maybe a thing. And mm -hmm. so people who got there, who decided what a barber was or wasn't decided it in 99 or 89. And so now in 2019, they're like, well, I don't know, that's, that's not what a real barber does. And part of me, same thing with hairdressing is, um, I think, I think the problem in hair, a problem in hairdressing is if you can't, um, if you can't head sheet the haircut you just did, you're not a real hairdresser. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, no, I go in, I just go like that. It looks good. You know, kind of Robert Cromian style. I just go in and start smacking stuff with the, with a blade. And who says that's not real hairdressing? Yes. Some hairdressers. But um, today, I mean, holy crap, man, we don't even have genders anymore. Why, why do we have these divisions between like, you're, oh, this is not a real hairdresser and this is a real hairdresser. Like, that's freaking stupid. <laughs> yeah. And it, it goes all the way to like right all the way to the state law because there's licensing that are separated from barbering to licensing from cosmetology. And I don't know, I just had a huge debate. I'm on the board of cosmetology for the state of Minnesota. And it's like, we're always at war with the barbers, you know, whether we can use a razor, whether we can't or whether yeah. they can like, and I was like, wait, a cosmetologist can dermaplane scrape and peel your skin but we can't use a razor on the face yeah try to explain that one to me <laughs> well i mean if you want to get political and i hope not to offend you with your oh you can say whatever you all, but i think that licensing in the u.s has is the reason that england is ahead of us in in trends and hair is the reason that england and and ireland has the best barbers in the world because anybody can just cut hair I think if we got rid of the licensing here, we would be better. Um, I think the industry would really benefit from it. Um, and 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 hear me out. Um, oh no, I'm not. I'm not pro work. <laughs> so this is all great. So we we have this kind of mentality here that once you and I and I was indoctrinated with this myself. Once you get a license, you're special. In fact, there's that hashtag. I think it's Cosmopop, <laughs> maybe license to create. And so because I have a license, I'm special. And you know what that did for me is. When I started seeing YouTubers who don't actually do hair or don't have a license, but they're teaching hair on YouTube, I got so mad. I'm like, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's like contrary to what I believe um, philosophically about the world in general. Like, I'm a big fan of disruptors. I liked what Kurt Cobain did to the music industry. I think needs to be done to the hair industry. And it's not going to happen when somebody goes through the channels and gets their license and does everything the way everyone always did everything. It's going to come from somebody outside who doesn't do hair doesn't have a license you know we're not like the, the the hair industry it's crazy that we pride ourselves in being so trendy and so up on things but we are dinosaurs um we don't create the trends random people on youtube create the trends who don't even do hair you know and uh and and i know a lot of hairdressers because i was one of these who is angry about that they're like well it's not fair they didn't get a license they shouldn't be able to do this and it's like your license does not guarantee anything all it says is that you're giving the government money and uh 
I'm a, I'm a fan of small government. I don't want the government to do much more than police and roads. Um, and so I think we need to get rid of the licensing. And I think when we look at the rest of the world and how much better they're doing than we are with hair, oh, yeah. it, it's pretty apparent. And then, and then hairdressers and barbers will say things like, no, 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 we need Safe Board to keep our clients clean and safe. And I'm like, okay, one, how often have you seen Safe Board? I've been doing hair 13 years licensed now. Um, I've seen State Board one time. And so the fear of one time seeing State Board over 13 years is what's gonna keep you from, keep you cleaning your razor or keep you cleaning your combs and replacing your razor every time. Like, is that really all that effective? Like, well, also, I, I, would, I would say the, all, the almighty market would, would you know, if, if you give somebody some weird scalp condition, your business is over, you know, and it's not, it's State Board doesn't have to come in and do that. The market will do that for you. Yeah. Yelp will do that for you. Oh, yeah. And what can we do to hurt somebody? That's one thing that has always gotten me is that, like, you know, we could give somebody lice, maybe. You know, we can cut them a little bit, but we really can't hurt anybody. You well, know, I, I the, 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 the scariest industry, possibility or, or, is, like, ringworm. I was going to say, you yeah, got ringworm, maybe, yeah. you've got fungus. There's, like, about five or six things. But you have chefs who don't go to, don't go to cooking school. That yeah, can kill you. handler's permit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, and it's like, what, five hours to get a food handler permit? Exactly. Yeah. No, when I got mine when I was 17, it was walk in, answer 30 questions on a sheet, and then here you go. And <laughs> <laughs> you were done. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's an interesting, it, that's an interesting topic. It's like, I joined this, I got on the board of cosmetology just so that I could understand the legal side of it. Because if you don't understand the legal side of it, it's easy to say, well, we should just get rid of it, or we should just keep paying like having everything licensed but until you understand how the legal side Wait. of it works hang, hang on one second i'm sorry you're, you're like cutting out okay oh so are you, you still there are you still there oh no, <laughs> no. <laughs> there you are are you back I, I don't know if it's on my end or your end but um you're like going in slow motion oh okay it's working now keep going in slow motion but is that better okay it's, yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll work yeah it's like I once, didn't want to miss anything. yeah once i understand the once i know that i un truly understand the whole legal side of it like laws have to be made by senate which anybody can make a make anybody can make a law Board of Cosmetology doesn't make laws. They just have to follow the laws that the senators make. And then our job, the board's job is then to build rules, meaning like how to like, what you can do within that law. And so it's really fascinating. So, so many people get so upset with the Board of Cosmetology because they're like, they're making all these laws and they're making, doing all these things. But half of the time it's not from us, it's, somebody from the public or somebody went and approached the senate and said yeah hey this is a needs to be done and nobody like stopped them and so a new law was made well, and then all of a sudden the board like oh you gotta we gotta follow this stupid bullshit is, isn't it funny then in that case that you know the people with the license we we think it you know grants us all these rights and and uh, creative rights to to run the, the the hair trends and um and, and we, make, we think it makes us so special. And then come to find out the rules that we have to follow are made by people who don't, don't even do hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Majority yeah. of them. I know, like we just had a new law that was made for like eyelash extensions. It's a 
we have to get a new specific eyelash license. Board of Cosmetology is like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with this? All of a sudden, yeah. now we have to make a license. We have to build laws and rules around it. And everyone's like super pissed because like for the last five years, nobody's been, nobody that's been licensed is doing it. Now they're being, have to be licensed. And so it's like, wait. And it was all because somebody did a really bad job and that person that got injured went to their Senate proved a point that it needed to be licensed and boom now it's licensed too much government too, too much government, government. <laughs> yeah i agree it's crazy so um i started reading your book by the way i, I went online you. to your instagram to read your book how i'm I was just like this is fascinating i've never never seen a book published on uh instagram before so as this, far as i know i'm the first so it's kind of cool i think it's a, and it's also a really well um well done book what do you uh why did you do it what what yeah. was the reason for doing this what what happened well so all the years of interacting with people on instagram i would get um kind of the same questions that you guys are asking like the typical podcast questions what's your story blah 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 yeah. i would get questions like hey i'm brand new to cutting hair what advice do you have and and uh occasionally because I would write these long responses and these long posts, people would comment and say, hey, you should write a book. And as it says in the book, I don't know if they're being sarcastic when they said that, but I remember bring, just pulling out my computer and just writing out my thoughts and, uh, and thinking, I'm just gonna write my whole story. And, and uh, along the way, like I tried to put in lessons and things. And so essentially I thought back through pivotal moments in my career. Like I mentioned when Ryan came in, that was a pivotal moment for me. And so that right. didn't make it in the book, but, but I just thought about these pivotal moments. I mean, literally in the, like, there are certain haircuts and I know you probably have these where, um, like certain haircuts were right in the middle of the haircut, my whole world changed. Right. And, uh, and so I just wrote about these stories. Like there was, there was one example that, um, this kid came in and he had really coarse hair that was kind of laying down like the beaver mop. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like the, just the, like the kid mop haircut, right? Yeah. But it was super, super coarse. And he goes, I just want like an inch off all the way around. And I was like, okay. And I took an inch off all the way around. And when I was done, his hair was sticking out on the sides because it was so coarse. And he's in the mirror going like this, like trying to make it lay down. And I was like, do you want me to go shorter? And when he said back, like changed my whole perspective. But he said, I don't know. I just want it to lay down. And I realized like, holy crap. I let somebody who doesn't know hair tell me how to do his haircut. And all I should have said when he came in is, hey, take an inch off. Okay, do you want it to lay down? Yeah, okay. And I would take off a half an inch and I would texturize it downward and I would help it to lay down. But instead, I just took off an inch all over it, stuck out. Um, and so that's, that story actually made it in the book. But um, in the middle of that haircut, I mean, I still remember exactly where I was standing, exactly which tools I had out, the look on the guy's face, and, um, and realizing I didn't do my job. I, I, I let this idiot be my boss. And not that he's an idiot. Um, no, you know, no. I, I, would, I would never... I would never put it on the client that they don't know how to ask for a haircut. It's my job to be able to communicate with them. Yeah. But uh, so I just started writing stories like that out in kind of a chronological order. And uh, yeah, eventually it became a large work of writing. And so I started looking into publishing methods and I think Amazon offers a, a situation where you send them the text file and, and, uh, and when people order the book, they, they print the book and they ship it out. And that way you don't sit on like inventory or anything. Mm -hmm. um, I started looking into that, but along the way, what happened is when I, would, when I was kind of telling people on Instagram, like, by the way, I'm writing a book, I would screenshot 
like excerpts and and post them on Instagram just to like kind of like give people a taste of what I'm putting in there. And uh, and one day when I posted one of them on Instagram, it hit me. I was like, dude, I could just post every page on an Instagram account. And so I did that. Um, and you know, some of my friends were like, you're not going to sell the book. You're not going to monetize this. And I was like, what? What I I did it because I thought it could help people. And what I get out of it is the people who interacted with the book, the people, when I meet somebody and they go, I read all the way through your book. I'm like, okay, you know what I'm about. Like it, it kind of helped me to sort out the, the looky lose versus the people who are like, no, 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 I'm listening. I'm listening. Uh, and so that's, that's most of the reason that I kind of push the book is like when people go, Oh, I'm really, I, I'm really curious about you and what you're up to and your philosophies. I go, I'll just go read the book. And if they come back and go, I read the book, let's talk. Okay. Let's talk. Cause now, you, right. now you're introduced to me. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. So the way I think about it is like, oh, I have 160,000 followers on Instagram, but I have, I think it's like 6,000 on the book. Those 6,000, those are the ones that I want to sit and interact with because I can't interact with everybody. And so I want yeah. to interact with people who, who have gone one step further to know me. And I'm like, okay, you want to know me? I want to know you too. Right. I think that's a, that's a really good thought. Um, and I didn't mean to jump in on you there, Stephen. I apologize. I think that's a great thought because it, like my kind of belief on, on how social, like people are always asking me about like how is social media going, like what's going to change, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think me and you were talking about it once where it was, you know, so everybody grew their, their social media, like, like following so big, but it's also going to now, every, I feel like everybody's going to start contracting and it's going to be like the, the smaller communities within your large community is who, you're, who we actually need to start focusing on, you know, and not such the the macro so much as the micro within our own followers. You know, uh, people will, will ask me, you know, like, you know, how many followers should I have on Instagram in order to, to, to be successful? I'm like, well, what do you want to be? I'm like, do you want to just grow your, your following so you can have more clients within, you know, your town? So then you only need like 300 followers. And then you're, you're more successful than I am. You know, yeah, where exactly. you can lose Yeah. Yeah, it really means it's really about how many people are engaged. You know, if you yeah. have a thousand followers and nobody's engaged, nothing's Yeah, happening. exactly. Well, I mean, right now, so uh, we're, we're sitting in my office where I, I don't know if you can see this cart. That's all hair product right there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. this is where I come to print orders and, and I also do some photo work here. But um, right now of my 166,000 followers, I think something like 0.01% of them have ever even bought my product. And so when, when people look at the big number, they go, oh, 160,000, that's so impressive. And I'm like, well, I would be a lot happier if that number was 160 and every one of them was buying my product regularly. You know, like if, if I had a thousand followers and they were all carrying my product, I'd retire. <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and if you're uh if your product was one dollar you know <laughs> yeah exactly well funny story too i have a friend who is a graphic designer and illustrator he makes his um he makes his living you know drawing stuff for blink 182 and all these cool fans and companies and stuff but he also sells mugs and t-shirts and stuff on his instagram and at one point he he came to me like i need bigger instagram numbers i think he had like 14 or 16 thousand at the time and uh, he was kind of bummed about his, his following numbers. And I was like, dude, how many mugs did you sell like on this last run? Because he kind of does like limited release mugs. And, and he's like, oh, I sold like 300 mugs. And I'm like, that's more than I sold jars of product. Like, so don't look at the big number. Look at, look at your actual customers. Um, it's like Seth Godin says, don't find customers for your product. Find products for your customers. 
and that's the, the mindset that I try to take. And then I think also um, the, the big numbers that I was able to generate early, uh, and, and like I said, it, the reason I have big numbers is because I got on it early. And if you, I don't know if you even pay attention, but I, my numbers haven't grown much at all in the last two years as far as the big external numbers. Um, but I don't focus on trying to get new customers. I don't try to beat the algorithm. I don't, pardon me. Um, I don't do giveaways. I don't, I don't use hashtags. I don't do anything to try to get strangers to stumble upon my account and go, Oh, cool. I don't, I don't care about that. What I care about is honestly right now, the only thing I do on Instagram is I I, I go through my inbox and I message people. Um, I don't text message anymore. Like I'm, I'm sure you can attest to this, Ryan. It takes me a week to reply to a text. But every day I check Instagram just to just to interact with people through messages. And uh, so I kind of have this core group of maybe, I don't know, 500 people that I'm aware of that I just share inspiration and stories and, and everything with. And uh, yeah, that's what Instagram is to me. I'm not. And like you said earlier, what do you want to do with Instagram? You know, um, there are people who like like okay i know a guy uh, ray torregano i think he's from like atlanta or something but he does online courses for hair and uh i think when i met him he had like maybe five thousand followers but he told me that he was making enough money with the online courses that he closed his salon and he started and he opened up a little studio like i have and all he does now is online courses and so when i see people who are like i need a hundred thousand followers so i can start teaching and i'm like dude this guy this guy started doing it with no followers. And you know, if you do an online course and you sell it for a hundred bucks and you sell 300 of them, like a quarter, you're freaking set, dude. Um, and, and how many followers do you need to have to sell 300 courses? I don't know, at least 300. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and how, and so here's um, the, the also maybe kind of obvious question. Somebody goes, well, I need more followers. I go, okay, how many do you need? They go, what? And I'm like, yeah, how, how many do you need? When's enough? Um, and so my friend Jamie Dana just posted something today about once she hit a hundred thousand, how, how nothing changed. And I can tell you for myself, the day I hit a hundred thousand followers, I thought that God was going to open up the sky and an angel was going to come down and hand me a certificate and, and life was, and I thought I was going to get in line at Starbucks and everybody was going to go, you know what? You go ahead and you've earned it. (laughs) And and nothing changed. My clients didn't, my clients didn't come in and go, I'm going to tip you a hundred dollars because of your hundred dollars or your hundred thousand achievement like nothing changed my business didn't go up nothing changed the only thing that changed is i got more haters <laughs> yeah i was gonna say oh, yeah. i get it same thing with naha i mean what the day you win naha i mean like unless you use it and market it it doesn't it doesn't change you at all not i mean i, I mean, don't say that i want to enter this year <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah i had to drop that in there just so you know <laughs> you are entering you said andrew this year uh, yeah i would like to um I've, I've avoided the uh, contests and competitions and things because I didn't know this about myself until recently, but I don't take losing very well. Um, so I kind of do the half-assed try when I do things. Um, to where if it doesn't work, I'm like, oh, whatever, I only half-assed it anyways. And so I'm afraid to really try and then not make it. But, but you know, I'm confident enough in my photography skills now. And, I mean, you don't even have to be good at hair to win, but um, sure. I'm confident enough in my photography skills now. And this – big epic room that I think I could do something yeah that's awesome so we have about six minutes left just to let let everybody know I see that so I I want to ask the 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 regular question that we always ask at the end of these podcasts so I know you're a music guy you know I'm a music guy Steven's a music guy and that's actually why we at New York IBS this last year we're like hey let's just do a fucking podcast 
and talk about hair and music. So top top five bands that you couldn't live without. Oh my gosh, five bands? Yeah, five. Yeah. So num- number one, I'll, I'll start I'll start it with five and I'll and I'll build up to one. Okay, okay. That's actually harder to do. Never mind. Um, <laughs> number one. Well, about the randomly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so my, my all-time favorite band without question is Failure. Um, they were around in the 90s, but they never blew up. I fully believe that if Nirvana never happened, like if Kurt killed himself before he picked up a guitar, then I think Failure would have been where Nirvana is. Oh, wow. Um, failure is so good that, so like I mentioned, I used to play music. And I've always had these ideas for what music should be. Like, I wanted it to be dark, but catchy and melodic at the same time. Um, and so when I first heard Failure, it, to me, it was closure that I don't have to play music anymore. Because everything I ever wanted to do, these guys did 100 times better. Oh. They sound like, um, at times, they sound like Weezer on heroin. Like, like, if Weezer did a bunch of heroin and then borrowed, wow. like, Alice in Chains equipment, so they had that heavy, heavy Alice in Chains sound, but, but, like, Weezer melodies, that's Failure. And they're, like, Phenomenal. So that's my number one band. Um, number two, oh gosh, the Jesus Lizard. They're up there. Oh yeah, um, yeah that's a good one. Yeah. I've, I've I've seen them play two times in the last ten years, and both times I'm just like, they're so freaking amazing. So good. David Yao is like an insane maniac. Um, and it's funny because their album that all their fans don't like, it's called Blue, is my favorite album. It's like when they got kind of experimental and they added a little bit of like electronic sounds and stuff. Yep. Um, but the Jesus Lizard is freaking amazing. Uh, who else do I like? This is hard because I don't, I don't, it's, it's weird because I like music, but I don't go out of my way to like new music or anything. Uh, lately, I've been listening to a lot of Palm. Um, I just like that heavy wall of sound kind of distorted guitars situation, but not in like a shoegazy way. It's like, it's almost like, a, it's almost like shoegaze meets like, stoner metal um okay. and and just like this this slow march forward of a heavy wall of guitars kind of situation uh, and then the the drummer from hum is just like he plays harder than anybody's ever played um thrice is one of my all-time favorite bands cool. the funny thing about thrice is when i got into them when i was 17 they were playing like like which is what i was into at 17 and then when i turned like 22 i was like no i'm too mature for that i don't uh. and so i stopped listening to them and a few years later, like they came out with another album and they evolved and grew as I evolved and grew. Cool. And they continually like maintained this like, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're my favorite band again. And their last two albums are just like, <laughs> they're so good. Um, and so what was that, four bands now? So yeah, fifth one band, Oh my gosh. A band called Breach. They're from okay. Sweden, I believe. They're like a hardcore band from the mid 90s. And um, so I used to, I used to would have said refused and I freaking love refused. Don't get me wrong. But one day somebody goes, Oh, you like refused? You know, they ripped off reach. Right. And I, and I, it took me a long time to find reach even, um, but they have an album called it's me God. And, um, side note, that is my ultimate Holy grail vinyl find. If anybody ever finds okay. it, I will pay you like double retail for it. Um, but it, the band breach, the album, it's me God, it is like raw and rough, but, but at the same time has like an oddly um like the it's it's like super rough and abrasive but with rhythm at the same time and i i totally get down to that album like i love that album that's awesome yeah those are awesome bands i'll look on discogs and see if i can find that um that album for you by the way appreciate it yeah (laughs) i found it on ebay a few times but it's like three hundred dollars i'm like 
<laughs> it was excellent seeing you. We have less than a minute. Um, I, I totally want to do this again because I always love our conversations. Um, I, I, we do have to say goodbye. It was, it was awesome talking to you. Yeah, it was super nice. Likewise. To nice yeah. to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I will see you around and maybe I'll just pop in and get a haircut too next time do I'm it. out in the area. Okay. Like cool. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you guys. Have a great one. Thank so, you. do we hang up now? Yeah, I can. It's a super important <laughs> podcast about hair featuring Stephen Adams and the host Ryan Teal. Hopefully, we'll see you again. If you want to follow us, follow us at a super important podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, superimportantpodcast.com. This way, you can follow us also on Apple and also on Google Play to get download our podcast. Hopefully we'll see you soon.